So, Dave, what are you watching at the moment? So, I've been watching Louder Milk because of you. Yes. You guys seen Louder yeah. Milk? Yeah, I've just started it as well. So yeah, it's, um, really good, right? Loved it. Surprisingly Love good. It. Yeah. So only about seven episodes in because it dropped on Netflix. But Liam's been banging on about it. I think the probably years. since it came out. Yeah. To be honest, was it 20, no, 2017 or something? No one else has ever watched it. And all of a sudden, now everyone's watched it. It was on um, some like obscure network though, wasn't it? Or some, it was something. always on Amazon. I watched it on Prime. Oh really? Jordan lockdown actually. Mm. I started watching it. Well now you mentioned Prime Fargo, the new season of Fargo. I'm like two, three episodes into that. John Hamm is amazing, isn't he? If you haven't seen any of it yet, it's definitely worth checking out. I've heard good feedback so far on the new series. I don't even know why I got into this, but do you remember the old Batman 1982, 1992 animated series? Yeah. It's on Netflix, and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go just to see if it's still as sort of good as I remember. It's so, so dark, you know. This is generally like, I wrote down the description for episode 12, right? It is. An aging mob boss learns his drug dealings have contributed to his son's drug addiction. And I was watching this, this at like was 13. Sat- this is this dark. Was dark, dark, dark stuff. TV, wasn't it? This is why we, that's why we're fucked up as, as kids. Like, yeah, <laughs> I generally didn't remember it being that as like deep no. and the episodes are like that. So what about you two guys? What have you been watching? Hey, let me go first. Thank appreciate that, John. For a change. For a change. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what I watched recently? The original chicken run in preparation for watching the new chicken run that's just been released. And it it still well, I don't know if if anyone would agree, yeah, yeah. but I, I think like it really people, yeah. it, is a it really holds up. It's really good. It is it's genuinely Gibson, really good. Mel Gibson yeah. plays Rocky. Sorry, I had a little episode. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we, we <laughs> talked about <laughs> we've talked about Mel Gibson we, before, John, and we agree he's a great actor if you yeah. exclude all the personal issues. But um, but yeah, Chicken Run I watched. I've not I, I started the first ten sort of minutes of the sequel, and I'm not. I'm not really getting into it, I'm afraid. I wouldn't. I don't really understand. It. Like, where does the sequel sit with the the original? Like, is it a direct sequel? Because yeah. Yeah. Mel Gibson's like, not in this one, right? It is still Rocky, though. Yeah, it's ah, uh, Zachary Jackass. Zachary right. Levy, Zachary Levy, mm. who's uh, Shazam plays yeah. in. But they recast loads of the loads and loads of the characters, which was a little bit. I think it's a little bit disappointing. Maybe a little bit insulting to them, really. Haven't original Ardman come under Disney a little bit at the moment, or they're doing stuff with Disney. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm sure they've got a bit of a deal well, at the moment. Well, my, I, I, the, Sophie, my daughter, knows inadvertently the the, the Scouse chicken. She is um, she's an actress, and apparently that's her first gig. Her first love oh, right. is, in, is in Chicken One Two. Scouse chicken. Yeah, the Scouse chicken. I haven't got the Scouse chicken. Say chicken all the way through it. There's a Scouse chicken in it, and I just automatically presumed it was Jodie Comer. I thought, well, if you've got a Scouse chicken, it's going to be Jodie Comer, and it's not. Yeah. It's, it's like an unknown mm. Scouse actress, apparently. What about you? Are you watching anything? I've, I've watched a few this week. I think Man on Fire I watched while I was working um, the other day, which is a great film. Quote, unquote. Working is that all right? I was, I was, I had my laptop open and I had Man on Fire on the tablet. Do, um, do you work from home as well? Yeah, I'm kind of split. I do three days at home, well, two or three days at home, and the rest in the office. So, Same um, but a lot of the admin that I do, I can just I can have films on in the background, and which is how we kind of find things for, for, for our episodes, I guess. But yeah, it's such a good film. I think 
Denzel Washington at his peak, I think. But I forgot how sad it was. Like it's quite an emotional ending. And I I had a meeting as it finished at two o'clock on the dot. And I, I'm not ashamed to say I was actually a little bit teary when <laughs> when it finished. <laughs> then I realised on the dot I had to be in this meeting, so I sort of sorted my face out a little bit. And I thought it'll be fine. And as soon as I went into the meeting, my eyes were just like really puffy. So I just spent most of the meeting sort of looking looking around, so no one could see. And it's, ter- and it's a terrible way that he goes as well. Yeah, it's it's a really good. I think his story acts really good, but it's kind of for me that's the right ending. It's it's the way that the yeah. film should have ended. I think I, I think if it had survived, I don't think it would have been as impactful. To be fair, the one thing surprised me this week: they're doing a prequel to the Book of Eli. I read about that. Yeah, is, is it John Boyega? John, it's John Boyega, but yeah. surely you just cast John David Washington. His son, yeah, he is his literal like his son, and he's an amazing actor. It was really like. I thought it was an odd casting, to be honest. I love yeah. John Boyega. He's brilliant. Yeah, but, yeah I think it's set like 30 years before the, the film yeah. or something like that, I read. Which is interesting. I didn't realise that was Denzel Washington's son. So we, we were doing one of our podcasts. I'd been to see the creator. That's right, yeah. yeah. And then as soon as you said, I was like, oh my God, yeah. The, the voice. They look and sound yeah, like each other. definitely. Proper nepotism, that though, isn't it? <laughs> but he is good. He is. <laughs> yeah. Go on, what about you? I've been watching... Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. I mean, the, the wife have absolutely yeah. hammered the first couple of series. It's brilliant. The main girl, Rachel Brosnan, is just fantastic, isn't it? And it's also got Kevin Pollock, which is he's in a few good men. And also that Tony Shallop, who plays Monk. Have you ever seen it? The, the, I've seen Monk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really Monk's good. really good. But, all, but I remember watching Monk recently. And it was the, the guy who plays one of the lieutenants in it, and I didn't recognise him with his clothes on. Who it was, was it? Ted Levine. Oh, uh, OK. Nicely segued. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Watch It If You Can. My name is Dave. My name is Liam. This podcast is all about box sets we've created of our favourite films and TV shows. Some you've seen, some you haven't, and others you may never want to watch. If you've never seen Con Air, put the bunny back in the box. All we want to do is chat on about these films and TV shows we love so dearly, and maybe, just maybe, watch it if you can. Liam, Dave, we've got guests. Got guests. So we have the Film Thingy podcast with us. We have John and Matt. How are we, guys? Hello, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're really looking forward to this. We're big fans of the show. We follow you on Instagram. We watch all your videos. Did one of you, or both of you, that sort of want to tell us just, you know, how did it begin? Are you letting me go? Let me go first I'm gonna let you go. Yeah, that is nice. And also just put the pressure on me, don't they? That's great. So John and I met about eight years ago, maybe something like that, when we were yeah. both working in retail um, selling suits, measuring up people for suits. And it was a struggle bleak. to work there. Yeah, yeah. bleak. <laughs> so we we would we would sort of chat about I've writing. Just got visions of fast show now. Just that's all I can think of. <laughs> the amount, but you'd be alarmed how many times per day that that would get referenced by every so, yeah. customer is painful. 
And there was a couple of members of staff that were basically sketch characters as well, I think. Yeah. Right. yeah. But yeah, so we started, um, we, I sort of found out that John was a, doing a bit of writing and, and I'd done a bit of writing in the past as well. And we we sort of decided to collaborate a bit. So we started writing a sitcom, uh, well, a sitcom and a, and a few bits and pieces. So this was about eight years ago. We, we maybe wrote for a, a year or two, I think. And then we didn't speak for five or six years. And then we... Um, I feel like there's a story there somewhere. <laughs> the funny thing is, there isn't. We just, we just, <laughs> we just decided that we, we weren't going to speak. We both got different jobs and sort of moved on in life. In all fairness, and it's cliche, but life kind of got in the way a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then we just sort of struck, struck up a sort of a conversation. I think you'd messaged me on LinkedIn or somewhere, and and just fell back into it really quickly. Fell back into writing again. Really keen to catch up with each other. This was probably about two. Two years ago, years so ago yeah. and and yeah, we, so we started writing a sitcom. We, we have a couple of sitcoms on the go. I think we've probably got maybe like three or so pilots and treatments under our belt at the minute, writing sketches. And then we just suddenly we thought it was sounds lambs that we'd talked about. I don't want to bury yeah, the lead we, there, I but think how it happened was we were we were right, trying to figure out a joke or something for a scene in this sketch, and we'd referenced a scene in the film that we didn't necessarily think made a lot of sense. And we sort of decided there was another way or another reason that this happened in the film, which we both found hilarious because we find ourselves hilarious, obviously. Um, we're the only ones that do. And then that kind of, yeah, that kind of spawns the idea for the podcast, really, because we never intended to do a podcast, did we? No, it wasn't on the cards. We were quite happy just writing and trying mm. to get stuff out there. But then we were just realised that, you know, it's it, it's quite a quick instant gratification in terms of, creativity you can get something recorded and broadcast quite quickly and start getting see if people are interested same with putting sketches on social media and that sort of thing quote kevin smith said about it's almost punk it podcasts are so punk you don't have to be talented or good at it you just just record something and put something out make a thing in it yeah what were some of your sitcom titles the first one was uh, when it rains uh, which, le- which later became never dull Oh yes, it did. In all fairness, because yeah. it's never <laughs> never dull in Hull is the expression if you're not yeah. familiar. So and it's the, everything's Hull based. That's obviously where we're from. The one that we're working on at the minute's not Hull based. It's a bit. It's based in the north, but it's we're, we're, we're branching out slightly. <laughs> <laughs> and as as yet untitled, but we refer to it as the yeah. documentary. At the minute, so where where did the film thingy podcast? You know, where did that originate? The, you know, not just the title, but the just the whole idea. Well, I think. Once we'd had this sort of vague idea that we had a bit of a a niche idea for this other way that this film ended or or this part of the film sort of potentially changed how the, the film could, could work, we sort of figured out that that might be the niche that we could do for, for our podcast because we, the sats, it's, we love talking about films, but I think more so we, we really enjoy comedy or, or trying to make people laugh and write in comedy. So we, we always sort of went wanted the angle of it being more of a comedy podcast than a, a movie podcast, although we absolutely love movies and, and TV. So we sort of were trying to find a way to, that we could sort of merge the two together. And then when we were talking about it, we couldn't, and we still can't, hence this really long answer, but we still can't really... We could. We were really struggling to describe that part of a film that is r- much more trivial than a, a full plot hole, because a plot hole in our minds changes the direction of a film or the ending of the film. Whereas a film thing is something that's really minor, 
that could still happen in the isolated in the film and not change the outcome of the film. The more trivial and insignificant it is, the, the more we latch yeah. onto it. Because it, it just doesn't matter. But if we can explode it. Ultron one I was listening to, and it's <laughs> the bit where he's just sat in the in the pond or whatever. Just naked. It just I was like, I remember when you I was listening to it, it was pissing myself. I was like, it is so <laughs> such a pointless scene. It does yeah. it doesn't really add anything to the film, but it it's as like you made the twenty minute podcast about this scene, and I was just chuckling to myself. <laughs> this is it. When we go into it, we don't really have an idea about where it's going to go. We, we we know what one of us will find the thingy, and we're recording series two at the minute where we're asking guests to try and find the thingy. So that makes it even harder for us to come to a sort of a solution of how yeah. how it ends up because we just sort of make it up on the spot, but. All the way through, we were, we were sort of trying to describe it and we're saying, well, that, you know, that, that thingy bit that we keep talking about. And I, th- I think the word thingy then just stuck, to be honest. Yeah. And we were really bad at sort of creating names, I think, we've noticed over, over the time where we've been writing together or titles for projects and things. We always kind of struggle for names. So we can't, I think that just kind of stuck and we just ran with it, to be honest. So how have you picked the films that you've done so far then? It's normally John founded a thing, isn't it? It's normally John working from working, quote unquote. Whilst, <laughs> whilst he watches something, and they'll send me a text and say, "I'm just, I'm just watching whatever." Found a thing. I think I found a thingy. I'll watch it again later, properly to confirm. I think I've maybe found two or three of them out of the the, the, the batch that we've done so far. And you, you had um, Dark Knight Rises, which is one of my favourite episodes. I was that, that, that was all you. So you can have that one. one. (laughs) All series. Definitely another one. But yeah, I think it just comes from we we just watch TV like like you guys, you know, we'll just crack on watching whatever we fancy watching. And I think um it's really hard now not to look out for them because it was kind of unintentional at first. First sort of the first few that were recorded were just observation from watching some of our favorite films, and then now we're kind of going the other way and actively sort of looking for them, which is makes it hard to enjoy the film as a neutral when you've got you can't a, enjoy any film anymore. No, yeah. I've, I've ruined cinema for myself, but we, we try and pick films that everyone likes. You know, we, we, we've never, and we've said this on a couple of the episodes, we've never covered an episode of a, a movie that we dislike, so we don't try and sort of go in on people's good work because so much work goes into TV and film and the amount of people and the money that goes into it to make a film. So usually, I don't want to say the thing is can be sort of, you know, it's all in the edit or, you know, that's the obvious answer, obviously. Someone's just made a bad editing job of that particular scene or something. But It's um, not a goof, is it? It's not a mistake. It's it's quite often, I always say there's, what's called creative coincidence as well. There's always yeah. something, you know, in the creative process that's like, in real life, you think, ah, well, you just go along with it because that's suspended belief. It's film, it's TV, just just run with it. It doesn't well, matter. Well, I like the idea that you're very similar to us in picking films that you want to talk about that you like. So, you know, ours is all, you know, watch it if you can because the things that we don't like, people might really enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you don't want to be in that situation where people are going like, you know, like, there's a lot of franchises we don't like, but we love the Marvel franchise, and it's really annoying at the moment with these people that are kind of, like, taking a bit of, like, joy out of the fact that Marvel's not doing very well. I heard you guys talking about that in your last episode, or one of the most recent ones, the uh, yeah. the Misery episode, where you're talking about the Marvels. Yeah. Um, and I've not seen it, but I'm well aware of how public people are going to sort of take it apart, pretty much, and stop people watching it. And 
it's why does it matter? Like just go and enjoy it for what it is. It's a film, you know, you're meant to enjoy it. You have bought a film that you love. What we'd love you to do though on your podcast, you do introduce the film together. <laughs> which I which always does make me laugh every time. So should we dive right in? What film have you brought for us then? Shall I, shall I do the preamble as well? You're going to have to oh, if we're doing it the if same do, If I do um, something along the lines of, we're talking Foster, we're talking Hopkins, we're talking having an old friend for dinner. It's Silence, Silence of, of the Lambs. <laughs> of our listener then, Silence of the Lambs, it's a 1991 American psychological horror thriller directed by Jonathan Dem. Uh, written by Ted Talley. It's adapted from the Thomas Harris 1988, 1988 novel of the same name. So we're going to talk about the actors, we're going to talk about the characters, but centres around Clary Starlin. She's a young FBI trainee. She's brought in to assist with the hunt of a serial killer called Buffalo Bill. And we have Dr Hannibal Lecter. He's an imprisoned uh, psychiatrist who Starlin seeks help. And Lecter is a serial killer with a taste for his victims. Which is fair to say. So why, why Santa the Lambs? I think collectively this is probably in our top three or five films between us both. Yeah. When we were sort of talking about what film we were going to talk about, there was a couple of other ones. Jaws being another one that we were sort of on the fence with. But I think this one, this is in my top three films. And Matt, I know it's not top three for you, but it's definitely up there as one of your favourite films. So. It's one of those films that we could talk all day about pretty much and mm. not necessarily saying we know a lot about it, but we could talk a lot about <laughs> it. And we both both really enjoy it. And I, I could watch it every day and, and enjoy it just as much. It's such a good film. Anyway, you're working there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I agree. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm loath to say it's a perfect film because no film is perfect, but... Yeah everything about it is good. It's got a really good, really tight cast. It's not like there's loads of people and it's not a big ensemble piece. It's just a, a handful of actors really doing a good job. The script's good. The characters, every single character, just when they were reading the script, must have just jumped off the page because they're just mm. so well written and they're so distinct. It's got a good mystery to it. And it's suspenseful throughout. It, it never really lets up despite not really having any act there's maybe one or two action sequences and even then it's a lot more um left to your imagination rather than it being you know in your face gore i know there's, there's a particularly gory scene during the escape which i'll probably talk about a bit later but yeah it's it, it just keeps you on the edge of your seat throughout and it just builds and builds and builds until you get to that like climactic final scene which which i won't, I won't yeah, go on about now but um yeah I, I agree with john i could probably watch it Maybe not every day, maybe every week, every couple of weeks. So one of the reasons I was so happy when you said Sounds Lambs is Liam's not a big fan of those horror or <laughs> any sort so of sorry. like you like a thriller, don't you? But not a, not with any level well, of do you know what's intensity. Quite, <laughs> what's quite funny about this is is I haven't watched it since I was a teenager. When it was we were that age, I've got a sister who's like it, it, two years old. I mean, we were that age before we could go out, but we were too old to have a babysitter, which my mum used to work, and my sister would bring all her mates around, which I had no problem sitting in a room full of teenage girls. <laughs> but we used to always watch films, and it was always Dirty Dancing or Silence of the Lambs. So it was the first I'll time... Was, to be fair, I'd rather watch Dirty Dancing still. I'm guessing this is VHS, so it's probably yeah. literally the only two VHS the old. But it's been so must be about... 
about 13, 14. I'm now really 44 since I've last seen it. So that's that been... because you were so mortified by it at the time. Yeah, I just don't watch. Don't. It's not type of film I'd watch. But I watched it not last night. Then, but it's such a good film. It is. Yeah. It's been a while since, like, there were 30 years since I've seen it. It's a great. It's a great. It's, it's a great brilliant. choice. I I do like a horror. I don't mind a horror at all. But I do like a psychological thriller as well. There's a lot of bits I didn't really get onto. I thought it was, you think you're a, a person of the world at 12, 13, you know, you know, not. Now you've revisited it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the cast then, um, should we start with like Jodie Foster? I mean, what a performance. Yeah. Um, that some of the things that, you know, for our listeners, they might know Jodie Foster from. The ones I've picked is kind of like, I really liked him in Inside Man. Uh, that was one yeah. of the ones I was going to say. She's yeah. fantastic in Inside Man, yeah. Flight Plan? No of it, not seen it. No. I can't remember if I've seen it or not. I was going to no. say Panic Room. Have I got mixed up between Panic Room? Well, I've got Panic Room yeah. as well. Flight Plan oh, has good. got um, Sean Bean in as well. Sean Bean? Yeah, yeah. And Jodie Foster. Gets all over the place, doesn't it? It's a massive thing you've been waiting in it? for. I don't want to spoil it. Did Sean Bean die in it? He dies in everything, doesn't he? It's his death. It's like a double bluff. <laughs> he dies in the first 10 yeah. minutes or something like that. <laughs> we mentioned sort of Mel Gibson earlier when we were chatting to me. Mel- Maverick, I think, is a great I've film. I've got Maverick on my list. I've seen that a few times when I was younger. And just because uh, it's a link to one of our podcast episodes, apparently she must have been a voice on the phone, but she was in an episode of Frasier. So we always try and link, oh, we always try to find some link to episodes that we've done. She was in Bugsy Malone, right? As well, I've got like, Bugsy yeah, Malone. Yeah, she was when she was in her teens, like young teens, I think. She was a teen actor, wasn't she? She was in quite yeah. a lot when she was in sort yeah. of her, like it's when she was a child. Time, right? She was in, yeah, five, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which one have I got? That Freaky Friday. The, the, like, the original no, Freaky Friday. Yeah, yeah she did that as a teenager as well. But the ones I've got is The Accused. I think that's the one that sort of put her in the limelight, the one where she did rape yeah. them. I think that was just before Science Line. That was the one I seem to remember. That was a big film at the time. Yeah, she must have been about 18 yeah. or something in that, wasn't yeah. she? I mean, I think in Taxi Driver, she's only about... Is she only about 16, 17 kids, or something? She's, she's really young, isn't she? Kids, yeah. What was the one that you watched recently on Netflix? Oh, Nyad with Annette Benning. Not seeing that one either. Not seen that so yet. it's based on, it's the Annette Benning plays uh, this this ex-swimmer who, who does distance swimming and she does this challenge and, and Jodie Foster's her partner in it and like her sort of mentor and manager. They're both brilliant in it. It's on Netflix very recent actually. Really so she won the Academy Award. So was Panic Room going to be one of your suggestions then, John? Were you saying it was going to be the one of the ones that, yeah, if, if you if you're a fan of Jodie Foster and you, you like that sort of psychological thriller, I think Panic Rooms is up. I, I haven't seen it for a little while, so I don't know if it's date, uh, dated or if it still holds up. But at the time, I remember thinking it was a great film. I'm trying to think of directors now. Same director as Seven, isn't it? David Fincher. David Fincher. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you want to watch it because it comes across too scary. Is it too scary? I think it's too scary yeah. for you, yeah. That's why I like Bugsy Malone. <laughs> so, Liam, Liam, would you class, so, I know you're not a fan of horror, but would you class Silence of the Lambs then as a horror or like a, or a thriller? Because it's, well, for me, it's sort of teeth reflecting with the birth of them, isn't it? It's psychological. I and mean, if I'm honest, I have no interest in horror films where it's just slash, slash. Like, it yeah. wasn't good to boring, but mm. the psychological tension films i just can't i just don't enjoy i don't enjoy like the bit where she goes into the lockup 
and she goes in and finds the head in there. Yes, the head, yeah. That just that just kills me. I can't watch it. And I know what happens. Like, even when I watched it the other night, I was like sort of pretending to go and get a drink. Just like, I was kind of watching it on my I own. Don't like it. I, think it, I don't think it's even the, the horror side. It's just, it's tension. Uh, like the horror as in like finding the head and stuff. It's, mm. You probably were more scared in the build up to actually finding the head. Yeah. I think it's, it's, a, re- it's a really good job of throughout the whole film. I think it, it doesn't treat the audience as stupid and it does a lot of. I think me and Matt talk about this quite a lot with a few of those sort of classic films where they, they rinse absolutely everything out of every scene yeah, and yeah. They, they sort of leave so much the imagination, similar to, to Hannibal Lecter as a, a character on some of those sort of slightly gorier scenes. You don't actually see a great deal, but the, sh- the, the camera angle or what you can hear is really impactful as, as a viewer. You, you know exactly what's going on, but you don't see it. And I think that's just such a good way of doing the film. And you don't see a lot of that these days, I don't think. So Anthony Hopkins, he won the Oscar for it as well. Mm-hmm. You've got, before I go into mine, have you got any of your, what's your, what's your favourites, Matt, of Anthony Hopkins apart from this? Uh, you, you guys, I'm going to lower the tone big time because he's such a big, he's obviously such a respect, well-respected actor. But I'm going to say Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I'm also going to, I'm going to love this one somehow even further and say the Mask of Zorro, where he plays the old Zorro. But Mask of Zorro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that a childhood favourite of mine. So. That was a great film. That yeah. was a great film. Yeah. But recently, Westworld, he's amazing in the first series of Westworld. Is he in the first one as and then he's in the second one as like flashbacks, but yeah, yeah really, really good in Westworld and a really good first couple that of series. Cancelled, didn't they? Is it been cancelled now? Yeah. So, oh, sorry to break the news, man. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't watch the latest series anyway. Yeah, sort of yeah. Alan Paul was in like the last two series, I think, and it's, it's been cancelled. Westworld's a great shout out. I didn't put Westworld, and I'm, I'm kicking myself now. I mean, obviously he's, he's in four, isn't he? As old, and I've gone yeah. with Remains of the Day from 1993 and Howard's End. How so end, yeah. He did two, but see, I, he does those sorts of Victorian repressed films so well because a good actor can do something in just a look and a turn. I know it's very soap opera-ish, but he does it like he's a proper thespian, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he just There's go a few good turns in this. Yeah, yeah he's he just excellent turns. Like, yeah. He doesn't have to hammer up. He can just like the way he just moves his head away, and he's like, yeah. oh, that's so good. And it's like he just—I actually knew someone. He was my old tutor when I was years ago in college. Went to see Annie Hopkins do a one-man show. Oh, wow. And it's just Annie Hopkins on stage for like an hour doing this, this like monologue. Mm. And at one bit, he cries in it. And I remember my tutor telling he said he'd be like literally on like two rows in from the front. And he said it was the most intense thing in his life. He said he was just bawling his eyes. When, when was this? Like, how old was Anthony? Because Anthony Hopkins is about 80 odd now. Yeah, we're well, knocking on 90 now, I think. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? Really? So, it must, I must have been, it was when I was in college in the ni- mid 90s. So, might have been, I think it might have been before Silence of the Lambs. Right. But, like he said, he is, it was an intense just seeing him live in person. But he, Tony was my tutor. He, had, he was great for telling stories he's going on about this intense scene of Annie Hopkins which is all I can remember he was sat next to these two old women and they were eating sweets but they had the box of Maltesers but as the box oh, got like know. empty and empty 
Or we could hear with the Maltesers rolling from one end of the box to the other. As, he was really... as far as Dan Bjorkinson just come down slapping, I know, to be honest. I know. But that, he said that's all he remembers, the Maltesers. <laughs> Have you got any favourites, Joe? Yeah, I mean, Silence of the Lambs is the favourite, but he's done some other really good stuff. Um, the Father with Olivia Coleman. And he he did a few years. That as well, I he? think he did. I was nominated. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. one of the two, but that's a fun. That's completely different. That. Completely different role, obviously. Um, but that's what I would call, and I don't know what I mean by this, but I know what I mean. Proper acting. You know, there's no. Yeah. It's a really. There's no bells and whistles on the film. It's just really good storytelling, and there's a couple of nice little twists. But it's just really small cast and him just acting his socks off, really. So that that's a fantastic one. And also, I watched it a few days ago, Fracture, with him and yeah. Ryan Gosling, which I think is a really underrated film, which is a bit of a, again, is is um, more of a psychological thriller, a lot less scary than Sounds of the Lambs, a lot less creepy. It's more of like a psychological courtroom drama, I guess. But those two, I think, are really some of his, some of his one underrated and one that he got really play, praised for, which I think are two of my favourites, other than Sounds of the Lambs. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad in anything, though, does he? I mean, yeah. the, you know, it might be some films where you think that the film itself isn't great. I mean, remember, was it was it Bad Company though with Chris Rock? It's not. Yeah. It's not a great <laughs> film, but you can watch Anthony Hopkins all yeah. all day. You know, he's very engaging in anything he does. Yeah, I, I think he did another one where there's something about an exorcist or something. What was it? Was it he was playing like a a priest or I don't know. Maybe I've just made this up. <laughs> Have you got any other Annie Hopkins ones? No, Amistad was the one I was going to mention, and now obviously, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about the sort of sequels to this, but obviously Hannibal and Red Dragon. Well, and... We have missed one absolute whopper. Oh, go on. The Grinch, you stole Christmas. <laughs> that is yeah, the narrator, right? <laughs> I don't Just... even realise it was the narrator. Yeah, that's the Jim Carrey one, isn't it? Yeah, he's the narrator. Yeah. Oh, he deserves awards just for that, doesn't he? There's a few other actors in it. I mean, Ted Levine, obviously Buffalo Bill. I've got him from Shutter Island. Yeah, Fast and Furious, Evolution. You see that? Yeah, that's a great film. And then obviously the big one is Heat. But what about you, Matt? Again, have you got any favourites for? Tell I'd not beyond that. I mean, I know you guys mentioned that he's in um, that he's in Monk as well, but yeah. I mean that's casting my mind back away to watching that on daytime TV. But no, I mean we we do. I will say that we we do have a soft spot for him in Fast and Furious, don't we, John? Yes, yeah, we do. We just, <laughs> just there. <laughs> he's just scenes. He's just there. What a review for him in that film. He's just <laughs> there. On the poster. But I think I think given how big of a role Buffalo Bill was mm-hmm. for him, presumably, although he's not in it a lot of the film, similar to Hannibal Lecter, he's not in it for much of the film, but his character yeah. plays a huge part. You'd think that actually would have maybe gone on to done slightly more bigger roles, but mm-hmm. and I, I don't not to sound disrespectful, but um, obviously, everything I've seen him in is sort of sort of smaller parts, which um, maybe he deserves a little bit better. I don't know. Flubber. Oh, I agree. I'm Flubber. pretty sure he was one of he the henchmen in Flubber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in American Gangster as well with Denzel Washington. Good um, film. Very good film. And Russell. Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, he's one of them. I was looking on his, his IMDb. Since Silent Times, he has worked very steadily. Mm. Really like, but again, not we've spoke about these actors before. I love actors like this, they're never main actors. I know he's one of the, the big cast, the monk, but 
he's just I love actors which really good actors they just have a really fantastic always career. working isn't he yeah. I don't think there's any gaps really in good, his career yeah. if you kind of go on like IMDB seems to be our favourite place to, for anything to the be honest of, movie related yeah. and you can just get lost for ages and yeah. then we, we, we tend to find when we're doing this you find a lot of films where you go, oh, I've, I've actually never seen that and I didn't know they were in it and I'm going to sort of check it out. Scott Glenn, Jack Crawford, he's he's another one I think that yeah. fits into that. He's never really the, the, you know, he's never the first name on the call sheet, is he? But he's in loads of movies. I've got just realised I can sit back. You can sit back and, and get close like, if you want. <laughs> I'm totally free, comfy. I was going to say uh, Scott Glenn, He's stick in the, the Daredevil TV yes. series. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. And I probably wouldn't have made the connection necessarily because he's quite a bit older and and, it, and the character's obviously totally different. But um, I think he's great. Obviously, that's a great... You guys have said that you're big Marvel fans, so I'm going to assume that you're fans of the Daredevil series, but he's, he is great in that. I do I do yeah, that. that yeah. And he well, pops up in the in the, the Defenders one with, yeah. with the old join-up together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, I've not got anything else, but... Bamford, really. I've, 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 I've got a few things that he's been in. Again, sort of linking to our episodes because we've done like we have done Misery and Stand By Me, a couple of Stephen Kings. He was in the TV series for Castle Rock. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to see that. It did get cancelled after like two series, but he was in eight episodes of that. And also, he's in the Leftovers. You ever seen the Leftovers? I think so. I really wanted to. What it's it's um is it it's um. Oh, who's the main character in in it? I'm it's completely it. blanking on Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I'm just going to be yeah. awful then and say the guy that used to be married to Jennifer Aniston. That's such a terrible way to describe <laughs> someone, isn't it? I, I would I would be quite happy known with that. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. Like, that was your only claim to fame, isn't it? The worst yeah, thing. Well, um, yeah, but I know I, I think I maybe watched the first one and, and just you know didn't, didn't quite get into it. it but I, I think massive, so really massive promotion. I seem to remember when it came out. It was one of them where I saw billboards for it everywhere. It was and the big HBO yeah like show mm-hmm. at the time, but it just seemed to disappear. Well, now it, it it's it's got a bit of a cult audience because it's it's a little bit like Lost. I'm going to say it followed on from that sort of Lost like yeah. mystery people character driven sort of. It's excellent, you know. If you can get into it and you can and stick with it, and it and there is a like there is a there is an explanation for kind of what happens in the series. Where Lost kind of give you an explanation, but it was great. But um, yeah, I could have said Louis Farrow's, um cousin, but yeah. I was going to say Jennifer Aniston's. We ex. All, we, yeah, we all knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, um, a couple of movies though for Scott Glenn: Hunt for Red October. Mm. Yes, and then Backdraft. You've never seen Backdraft, John. And um is it one of the Baldwins? One yeah, of the Baldwins. One of the Baldwins. Robert De Niro's in it. Robert I don't know if I've ever heard of it, you know. Oh, oh John, you're gonna have to check so this out. Sorry. Have you seen that's, it? That's on not, the list. No, I'll own up. I've not seen it either, but I actually have heard of it on like John's. So yeah, I can get a point for that. Just purely for the scenes, even with, with Donald Sutherland and um Robert De Niro, it's it's worth watching. It's good He's also in training day. Mm. Is that wasn't yeah, I don't mean it's a big part, but he's in that. Right, role. okay. I don't remember I don't remember being in it. But again, he's one of those actors in that's in so many things. Yeah. Um he's in Poplix now as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Again, he's just had he's had a fantastic career, but you wouldn't know him. Most, pretty, most people wouldn't even know his name. I'm pretty sure he's in a couple of the Bond films as like uh, one of the suits from the CIA or right. you know, I can't I think he's in, I'm sure he's in the first Bond film. 
um, as someone who just gives the orders, you know. That's it's, it. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 I think the test is like if you can show him pictures to my mum and she doesn't know his name, that probably means he's in loads of things, but she just doesn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I wanted to mention was Brooke Smith. She's the one that plays Catherine Martin, the one mm. that Brother Bill um, kidnaps. The senator's daughter. She's in another Stephen King show. She's in Bates Motel. Ah, yeah, just a link to ah. Stephen King. She's in a few episodes of Bosch, and she was in um, about 13 episodes of Ray Donovan as well. Yes, that's where I know her from, apart yeah. from this. Yeah, in the past oh, yeah. series, right? And I I also recognised her uh, from Grey's Anatomy, because I was encouraged to watch all of all of that, the entire thing, all 21 series or whatever it is, <laughs> by, my, <laughs> by my wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many episodes per series is that? About 20, 24, I think it is. So you've watched around 200 I, I, episodes. I, I, I've calculated it in hours before because because she's had the audacity at the time to say you watch you, you make me watch all these Marvel films like I go and watch all the Marvel films with you and I go we've still got such a, an hour deficit of the number of Grey's Anatomy episodes that we've watched you still owe me my choices you owe me thirty hours is the main guy still in it or is it all new cast now I think most of them are are, are been replaced I don't know if any of the originals are still in it. Is it a bit That's like true. ER where it's like by the end it was like I think there's only like one. I don't even have ever watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I haven't, I if you've watched one, you've watched them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen Casualty. That kind of sounds yeah. like that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Ima- Ima- imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine Catherine Martin in Casualty, and then you've got you've got Grey's Anatomy. So, just one other actor I was going to mention was Anthony Heald. He plays Doctor, the Doctor Frederick Chilton. Chilton, um, yeah. I only really know him. He was a judge in a few episodes of Boston Legal. That's kind of the main thing I know him from. But you come up, you had a good one for. He's he's been postcards from the edge, the which Carrie Fisher wrote. Yeah, and Rob Ryan, isn't really? it? So we love we love Rob Ryan about Big Rob Ryan, yeah. and yeah. he's also been in both Cheers and Frasier. We we have this thing the amount of times we find actors have appeared in Frasier and Cheers, it's become a little yeah. bit of a thing, hasn't it? But he's been in one episode of Cheers and one episode of Frasier. And I've just rewatched Cheers, and I don't remember, but I do remember him in Frasier. So that's the actors that are in it. So should we go to Matt first? Who's your favourite character in the movie and or uh, performance, you know, and, and and why? It's it's such a hard, I've been dreading this question because it, it's such a hard because there is because it is such a small cast. There really yeah. are only yeah. four, five main characters, realistically, if you want to call them main characters. And they're all really good in their own right. Everyone absolutely smashes it. And it, it's I mean it's, it's it's nice that it's so well balanced between there's two strong female characters i know that clarice is obviously the lead but catherine's also a strong female character even though she's the 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 victim but i'll i'll hold my hands up and say it's it's got to be hannibal lecter for this film it are you, are you, have I, I beat, have I beat you to it, like this. Are you disagreeing <laughs> or are you annoyed? Oh, come on, tell us why I go first, Matt. I don't think you can argue with the fact that he spent what what what's the what's the statistic? Is it sixteen minutes on screen or whatever it is, and he wins the Oscar for it? I don't think you can argue with with that sort of a result. Every second he is on screen, you cannot keep your eyes off him. It's it, and it, and it's a it's a performance. For, for me, it's probably his performance in this film led to the funding and production of the two sequels past it and because they're not as good 
quality wise, but just his him carrying them, I think. And it's all based on his, you know, utterly captivating performance. For a person who eats people, which you shouldn't like. <laughs> really likable. Yeah. yeah, but you no. do. I'm like that's I it. don't like rooting form. I think that's a bit much. <laughs> rooting form's a bit much. You and don't... At the end, you're like, yeah, go on, go on, get Chilton. Go on, yeah, follow him, go that, on. That's it. They, they, they make Chilton into, into... I mean, there's three villains, effectively, isn't there? Because obviously yeah. you've got Buffalo Bill, Chilton, and Hannah Blechter, and, and they kind of make him almost the least offensive of all the villains. <laughs> Maybe that's why. But I agree. I agree with you. I think you are kind of like... You're not mad that he's escaped at the yeah, end. He's, which is, but it's not your stereotypical villain is a you know is is very polite is very likable so when he when he's doing these awful things or when you hear that he's done these awful things you don't automatically sort of hate him which is i think the way that he brings that across yeah. in his mannerisms and his turn and everything is just really good acting at making him a really likable villain he's not- even though he's you know he's done obscene things what, <laughs> what did you guys make of brian cox's performances as like him in manhunter I've only seen it once years ago, and it's not bad, but it's not on the same level, in, in my opinion, in terms of quality. I mean, the only reason I, I bring it up, I because I do really like the Brian Cox version because I think Brian Cox though is like he's a lot, he's a lot more physical in it because he's a big kind of buff guy. Yeah, but I think like rewatching Sounds of the Lamb because in my head it's always been I've always kind of liked the idea that the Brian Cox version physically was was believable that he could kill these people but when we when we rewatched film last night i was thinking no do you know what anthony hopkins is so terrifying isn't he mm. and like he's he, he is quite buff in it actually isn't he for like he's lean, lean yeah. yeah and it, and i was and it, he holds he himself everything I'd, yeah. I'd previously sort of thought as well he's he's got like almost a supernatural presence as well yeah. i think in it which makes him even more ter- like terrified and believable in that oh well, he could probably do make, you know make, and it's the not blinking people well, and all that yeah that there is something almost inhuman about him that's mm. really unsettling i read that bit about blink and hopkins i got the idea he's got a friend who never blinked and used to weird everyone out. So he remembered that when he was filming. Oh, he used that. It is that. really weird. People who don't blink. I'm like, like I've never noticed it does that, but now you've said it. There's yeah, a lot of even when you, yeah. if you Google sort of Google his most favorite scene, uh, famous scenes from the film, is always really wide eyed, isn't he? And oh, you know, I think he blinks for dramatic purpose at certain moments. So he's he's blink. It's almost like he's doing it on purpose to sort of. He's just. It's a genius performance. Mm. By Annie Hopkins. But John doesn't agree. John's got a better, different favourite character. Not that you don't agree, you've just got a different favourite character, I suppose. <clears throat> no, I do agree. I just don't know what I'm going to say now. <laughs> um, I, I disagree, Matt. I'm going to say... That's just a dog. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am actually torn because I would say I agree with Matt, but Buffalo Bill and Clarice Starling are both very... Obviously, Clarice has a lot more screen time than probably anyone in the film. And she does, so I will, so, yeah, there's no quick answer. I'm really sorry, guys. No, that's okay. Larry Starling over Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, for the same reason, would have been just the impact it has on screen in a very short amount of time. Mm. And he has one of the most memorable scenes of movie history as well, when he does the old TikTok situation. So, but Clary Starling, I think, given the character and the way she the character develops now she portrays that where she's obviously got her own 
around demons and etc. And she's using well, they're both using each other out the Hannibal and Clarice. They're both using each other to get what they want effectively. And I think they both know that. But I think as she grows into the as the character grows into the the situation with the senator's daughter going missing and all that sort of stuff, I think she plays vulnerable but strong really well in, in quite a nice balance, to be fair. So I think I think and Jodie Foster probably had probably most famous role, to be fair, but it's my favourite role of hers as well because of that. So I, I'll challenge Matt's Hannibal Lecter <laughs> with Clarice Starlin. So Michelle Pfeiffer turned this down, didn't she? Apparently so, yeah. Just there's, there's got to be there. I I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad. So apparently Michelle Pfeiffer turned it down, and then they were talking about potentially Meg Ryan, and I just think both wouldn't have been the same performance at all. I think it's the same with Hannibal Lecter. Hopkins wasn't first choice, was he? There was a few sort of bigger names above him, um, like Gene Hollywood ha- stars. Gene Hackman bought the rights for right. another for Irene's because he yeah. wanted to originally do it, and then I think he well, wanted to change his mind. No, well, Gene Hackman was going to be the Jack Crawford character, right? And when he read the final script, it was too it was too violent for him, and he okay. he, he opted out. So even though they 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 sort of own the rights, he didn't want to. He didn't want to. Had he not the read movie. the book? No, again, I don't know how true this is, but one of the stories is one of the original people who wanted was Sean Connery. Yes, that's the one name I do know, to be fair. I can't even imagine it. I cannot imagine him yeah. playing Hannibal Lecter. It, it wouldn't have been the same, would it? He would have had the same voice he uses in everything. Yeah, yeah. It, would have, it would have been Sean Connery. Yeah, it would have been Sean Connery playing Hannibal Lecter. And it would have been a suit in prison. It wouldn't have quite worked. Join us next week for part two of our Silence of the Lambs special with Matt and John from the Film Thingy podcast. This was a Watch It If You Can production, executive produced by Kenny, our Val's lad, on Wake Experience. Don't forget to follow, rate and share from wherever you get your podcasts.